What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bid DeVoe. Yours truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. Hey, what's up? This is Brandy. Music and features from a woman's perspective. Intriguing conversation. Espresso. The Mocha Mix. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. They're solving cold cases in Atlanta, and she's trekking the world, exposing the scams that Americans keep falling for. Cafe Mocha talks to the detectives of TV One's ATL Homicide and the journalists behind Nat Geo's Traffic. Cafe Mocha begins now. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo. Detectives David Quinn and Vince Velasquez spent 15 years working homicide for Atlanta Police Department. They team up again for season two of the true crime series, ATL Homicide on TV One. Welcome both of you guys. Wait, first we need to separate the voices, even though if you watch the show, you definitely know one voice from the other. David, say hi. What's happening, people? Vince, how are you? Good, good, good. And it's season three, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry, season, season three. Season three. Season yeah. three. You know, Angelique always get it wrong, so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> that's all right. There's just a one in between those two. It's all good. Okay. Well, congrats on season three of the show. For those who haven't seen it, tell us about ATL Homicide. We'll start with you, David. ATL Homicide is a labor of love. It's the diary of me and my partner, Vince Velasquez. We became detectives in the year 2000, first day in the unit. In homicide, we met each other. We got joined at the hip. This brother became my at-work wife for the next 15, 18 years. I mean, we were just out there grinding, serving our people in these neighborhoods, giving these families some closure. Yo, yo, wait, man, hold up, man. Why, why do I got to be the wife, though? Why, why, why? Well, you know, wait, in, hold a, up, in, man. A, in a friendly kind of way. Why can't we just be? Why can't... <laughs> it's all good, man. Well, the oh, wife good. is the one who winds up doing all the work. But, you know, both of you guys are retired. Um, whose idea was it to get back in the business, so to speak, and, and start this show? You know, this is something that uh, we had talked about before we retired. And uh, we had the pleasure of working with a, a local reporter when we were doing cases. Uh, at the time, her name was Angeline Carrera. And then uh, after being married, Angeline Hartman. We became very close. She went on to do America's Most Wanted. We did some of our cases on her show with John Walsh. Uh, so she aligned with other people, uh, some producers, and collectively all started talking about what could we do with our cases because we had so many of them. And, you know, David and I always wanted to make sure that we, whatever we did, we did it uh, tastefully in honor of our victims. And Angeline uh, was instrumental in putting that together. So it was kind of a collective idea. Uh, this show, a lot of people don't realize, the sizzle reel was shot in my living room over four years ago. Uh, and, and that sizzle reel, that's where it started in some other B-roll, uh, is what was used to shop this thing around to the networks. And then TV1 came in and was like, man, we love you guys. You know, we want to give you a deal. Um, Vince, how do you decide which cold case you're going to bring back? You know, what we've done is we have provided a library of cases and given that library access, uh, the, the production company access to that library uh, and allowed them to look through that catalog 
and look at cases now. You know, it, it, it's kind of strange to talk about these cases in, in a sense of uh, a show because there there has to be some elements that make this thing uh, a show worthy. We've had lots of cases that we solved literally in an hour uh, where a suspect may was on scene, and it's hard to get a whole hour show out of something like that. But what was so great about our career is that nothing ever came easy to us. We worked for this. Like, we had hard cases. So we had so many cases in this catalog, this library, so to speak, that literally the production company was just like, man, we, there's so many. We don't know what to choose. Let us help you out. What about this case? This was near and dear to me. This was near and dear to us. Uh, and then they put it together. And then, you know, we help. We also are, uh, we get editor credits and, and production credit for this thing because we, we edit a lot of this. It was like, that's not real. That's not right. You know, our victim was this, you know, we want to make sure our victim was represented uh, in the true life and the true form that they really were, the, the people that were, the, the, the lives that mattered to their families. Uh, and TV One and the production company basically gave us the magic pen to, to erase or add whatever we needed to. You know, we always see cop shows and the detectives, there's this one case that haunts them or they wish that they would have solved. What case is that for you two? David, you first. I mean, every detective is always going to have a case that stays with them forever. Uh, mine is one that actually got solved, but it's because of the nature of it. This was a brother that was out doing the serial killer thing. And I'd never had a case like that where somebody goes out and kills four people systematically, you know, over the holiday weekend during Thanksgiving. And that's all he did it for was for the thrill. That was at the end of my career, and that bothered me more than any case I ever had because most of mine are consequential. I mean, it, something's happening and somebody gets shot, and it wasn't always planned. This thing, this joker was getting up in the middle of the night, going out walking the streets of Atlanta, killing homeless people, you know, one at a time. And it, it just, it really got in me, and it was the last case I actually worked that had my name on it. Wow. What about you, Vince? You know, I have one that's still open, uh, and I still work on it. You know, it's a young girl, 15 years old, killed in 1995. Uh, I reopened it as a cold case, and I have been connected to this this poor girl's mother uh, ever since. Um, throughout the years, we talk often, uh, and, you know, my goal is to, to give this woman some closure, some justice. Uh, and this, that case still, to this day, remains unsolved. Uh, she was sexually assaulted. Uh, and, and shot in the face two times and killed on her way to school at 15 years old. So, um, and, and again, true to form of who we were, like the families are what matters. And I just spoke to this mother literally uh, three weeks ago and she faced another tragedy in her family, a horrific tragedy. So, you know, I was one of the first people she called. Uh, and that's an honor. Like, this is not my family, but it's like my family in a sense. You almost take the place of the person that was taken from. The reason why I ask that question is because I think the public forgets that there are homicides and, and very bad crimes that happen in our country. And as you both know, you know, there this summer there was this issue um, and it's still going with law enforcement. And, but when you hear these type of cases and when you see a show like yours, I think it gives a reason and respect to police officers. What kind of changes do you think 
you would like to see for law enforcement? And I can ask this question because you both are retired. What would what kind of changes would you like to see with the law enforcement community in order to make and meet the concerns of people, black and brown people? I'm an old school police. You know, I came on in 1985. I worked in the bricks for my first 15 years in uniform. Those were my people. I was getting, you know, rib sandwiches, you know, out of somebody's door while working a call. I was part of the neighborhood. I see today that policing's got to be reimagined. That's just what's up. They've got to get rid of this militaristic paramilitary look. I mean, these jokers look like stormtroopers, like they, you know, like they're going, they about to go in with tanks just going on a domestic call. You know, all this equipment. I mean, I had a six shooter and an attitude is all I had in 1985 on them streets. I don't understand what they so scared of. You know, what's the problem? They're wearing green like the military. That's not police. I was in the same housing project for a decade. I knew where to go get a bath if I had to. I knew where to go and get some food. I mean, people just knew me and it wasn't Officer Quinn, it was Quinn. Even though it's a one syllable name, you know, in Georgia, they'll give you five more. So that's what needs to happen. Police have to go and win one street, one neighborhood at a time. It's on them because there's two different ways people get police. The black and brown get one package and the white folks get another. That's just what's up. And Quinn, we love your voice. Your voice is just so distinctive. And the way you come in, I remember watching one time and you you was going in to, uh, to, uh, to uh, what do you call it? When you go in and talk to a-, a, a Interrogation. A, inter- you were going to interrogate. You said, I'm gonna give them one more time. <laughs> just love your voice. It's just amazing to, to hear you and to hear your passion, you know, years later. Yo, yo, I'm, I'm a big fan. So this is like, you know, it's like walking on your- this is like walking through Hollywood right now. Um, bless you, my sister. Thanks. We've been following you since day one, Bonnie and Clyde. Thank you, thank you so much. What about you, Vince? Uh, so, you know, David and I have a lot of uh, similar ideas. I come at it more of an intellectual, uh, and that's kind of how I got down when I was a cop, you know? I, I'm, I'm very, as you can see on the show and in real life, you know, Dave's excitable. I'm like, yo man, calm down, it's gonna be all right. <laughs> That's that's but that's the balance that keeps us that keeps us uh that kept us going and kept our friendship, our family, you know, this bond that we have. But when it comes to, you know, call it what you want, reimagining, policing, reinventing, defunding, you know, it's common sense. At the end of the day, you know, when you look at how people treat each other, uh, and when a police officer has an opportunity, some people call it an encounter, but it's an opportunity to walk away and and and, and do something different than what you're taught. The, the hands on the hips, I'm only going to tell you one more time, that doesn't work. It never did. It never will. Uh, and that's nothing that he and I, David and I, ever did. You know, so, you know, every opportunity that I have to talk to a young, you know, brother, a cop, you know, female, male, whomever, and they, you know, ask me what, what do I think they can do differently? Stop talking so much. Listen. If you just listen, you, you, the answers are there. People are telling you what they need, you know, and, and we're not there to solve everybody's problems. We're not there, you know, just because we show up doesn't mean I'm going to have a solution. Maybe I just need to listen to what you have to say. And, and that can go a long way in different, different avenues, not just policing. Uh, but that, I kind of, again, I get a little deeper. I, I peel those onion back way, way back to the, to the core 
to try to find, you know, find out what's going on. And when you see our show, you know, you kind of see that, you know, you see how we approach witnesses and suspects and victims, families, you know, and, and, and we were successful in getting the information that we needed because we treat people with respect. Again, people just sometimes, you know, they want that space that they feel comfortable with you. It's not us against them. Right. ATL Homicide, Monday nights, 9 p.m. on TV One. David Quinn and Vince Velasquez, thank you both for joining us on Cafe Mocha. Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Alani, Love, and Yo-Yo on the line. Wait, hold it. Let me set this up properly. Have you ever gotten that email where the African prince mm-hmm. wants you to send a million dollars and all you got to do is send a few thousand? Oh, wait, Lonnie, what about the phone call from the stranger claiming that you want a new uh, Mercedes? You ever mm-hmm. get that call? Okay. All the time. <laughs> There's a new series out called Trafficked that takes us deep inside the multi-million dollar Jamaican lottery scam and a whole bunch of other billion dollar industries that they're making tons of money on the black market. Um, on the line, she's an investigative reporter, Mariana Van Zeller. She hosts this and she goes deep and dark into places that, honey, I just never even want to go. Mariana, welcome to Cafe Mocha. Great being here. Thanks for having me. You know, um, tell us a little bit about your series. I was, you know, I mentioned the Jamaican lottery scam, but you go to all kinds of different places and and do investigative reporting and drug trafficking and, <laughs> and pimps. And tell them, tell them a little bit about the series. 
Yeah, it's an eight-part series, and in every episode, we go on these wild rides um, where we gain unprecedented access into some of the deepest and darkest corners of our world, into global black markets all around. Well, um, going to the Jamaican lottery scam, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, the, The first episode deals with scams. How does that Jamaican lottery scam work exactly? It's so interesting because I think we've all sort of gotten these phone calls before. I certainly have, you know, where they call you and they say uh, either, have you shopped this somewhere or about, you know, Whole Foods or at Walmart? Uh, And if you did, you don't know, but you won the lottery there. And all you need to do is pay us a fee and you've won a million dollars. Or another one where they call you and they say they're from the, the electricity or the gas company. And you owe them money and they're going to cut all your utilities if you don't pay them. Uh, $500 right now. And, you know, a lot of people actually fall for these scams. So what we did is we headed to Jamaica to meet the people on the other side of the phone call. Wow. Why Jamaica, though? I mean, I know we have a a lot of Jamaican listeners. They're like, why why are we singled out? (laughs) Because actually Jamaica sort of become the ground zero for these sort of lottery, what they call the lottery scams. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, we spent a lot of time trying to gain access to these scammers, trying to meet with them. And um, and eventually, after many months of trying, we met with a handful of them and uh, learned some incredible things about the way they operate. And um, one of the things that I noticed in the uh, the series is that they take you um into this well uh, you take yourself into this deserted area in jamaica there's a whole bunch of guys with ak-47s and glock nines all their faces are covered and it's not because of covid and here you are you and your camera crew in the middle of nowhere i know you had to be scared it was a little bit intimidating yes this was all filmed pre-covid so it was definitely not because of covid and we were going to meet victor who's sort of a uh, he runs a group of scammers that work for him. And uh, we'd been told that we could meet him at this abandoned house where he does some of his operations. And we got there and he was surrounded by some of these armed bodyguards. And as we sit down to interview him, um, you know, my approach is always, you know, treat everybody with respect and with trust and you'll be treated with respect and trust back too. And I always tell them, I'm here not to judge you. I'm here to listen to your stories. And yes, I'm going to ask you difficult questions, but I'm mainly here as a listener. And uh, we start the interview and then halfway through, he tells us that he was thinking of actually stealing from us and robbing all our gear. Um, And he decided not to because he decided that my team and myself were nice which was a a very nice moment. But there was a pause after he said, before he said I was nice and he decided not to, where we all just looked at each other and thought we weren't sure if this was a good idea. (laughs) Wow. It's Kathleen Mocha on the line. Marianne Van Zeller, Nat Geo Series Traffic, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. This is so interesting. She takes us inside the multi-billion dollar underground world of drug dealers, counterfeiters, scammers, and even pimps. Now, um, I noticed that most of the businesses target Americans and the Mexican drug cartel was selling their drugs in the United States. The scammers were even going after people here. Now, is it because, you know, we're rich or greedy or are we gullible? 
<laughs> it's a good question. You know, the scammers in Jamaica kept telling us that Americans um, tend to, that Americans love free things, that they don't think there's anyone out there that loves free things more than Americans. So if you can tell <laughs> Americans that they've won a Mercedes Benz or that they've won the lottery or whatever it is, they will pay anything just to get that free thing. Free thing. <laughs> just wow. really interesting. I think it's, you know, it's partly because, yeah, because we are rich. I think it's partly because, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, the sad and the reverse point of all of this is that there is a lot of very sort of older, uh, lonely Americans. And they've a lot of times become the targets, uh, the majority of times actually become the targets of these scammers. And so sad. One of them actually told us that some of her older scammer, uh, older victims, they realize at one point that they're being scammed. And yet they prefer to have somebody to talk to because they speak almost on a daily basis than not to, you know, so it's so, so sad. Oh, wow. I, I like well, the way Lonnie said, because yeah. we're rich. <laughs> well, I mean, well, compared to other countries. Yeah, compared to other countries, we're pretty, you know, yeah. we're well off, you know. Yeah. I, I know that part. I know that part, but she wanted to laugh too, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, one thing that struck me about the Jamaica episode, and maybe is the, the subtext for all of this, is that... Um, you know, the Jamaicans looked at us like, you know, when we go to their resorts and we're there, we're spending all this money. And in the, mm -hmm. in the episode, you said like what we spend at a resort in a week or a few days, they don't make that in a year. And so they're mm -hmm. looking That's like this as reparations. They literally use the right. word reparations. Yeah wow that's mm. that's right yeah it's the scammers anthem actually in jamaica it's called reparations and uh, all the scammers know it and all of them sing it and yeah it was one of the most interesting moments uh was when we, we you know we heard a bunch of them talking about reparations and another another one was when we spent some time with tweety the female scammer and yeah she was saying how she works at a resort during the day and she realized very early on that she, you know, makes in a month what uh, American tourists spend in one day at the resort. And one day she comes home and realizes her grandfather is very, very sick. And if he doesn't get a, a costly treatment, that he's going to die. And she can't afford it. And no one in her family can afford it. And she realized the only way she could save her grandfather's life was to turn to scamming and start you know, scamming. And uh, she said, you know, I, we're very religious here in Jamaica. And yet I realized at that moment that I am God in my family. Mariana, yeah, it was a, so, what, what do you want people to, to get out of the series? What do you want? What do you hope to, to? Yeah. Stories like this, you know, it's the realization, I think that happened to me as well, um, that no matter how far into the fringes of our society we travel, we can still find people that are redeemable and that are relatable. Um, you know, that at the end of the day, uh, that even these people that are the outlaws and criminals and that we consider the bad guys are not much different than we are. You know, they're mothers, they're fathers, they love their kids, they have goals and aspirations and dreams much like us. And I think once we start realizing that and realizing that a lot of times it's because of a lack of opportunity in the places where they were born and the lack of jobs and inequality and poverty, that that's why they turn into black markets, that until we realize that and we address the root problems and the root causes, uh, we're never going to be able to stop these black markets from existing. 
the series is called Traffic. It's on Nat Geo and it airs Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Guys, if you like Narcos, if you watch every episode <laughs> of Breaking Bad, if you're into, right. you know, all that bad guy stuff, seriously, this is so good. And and it's a little bit unbelievable, all the things you do in that series, Mariana. So thank you for bringing it to television. Appreciate it. Yeah. Mariana, stay safe, thank okay? You. Please stay safe. I will. I will. Thank uh, you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Right, I'll care. stay safe, right. I promise. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Loving our brothers, men with strength, wisdom, assertive, and genuine in their spirit. It's the Cafe Mocha Swag Awards, hosted by Rashawn McDonald. Thank you, ladies. This is Rashawn McDonald, everybody, here for Money Making Conversation. This week, I sat down with Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner, Dr. Ian Smith. Dr. Ian is a New York Times bestselling author and host of The Doctors. We talked about his new book, Fast Burn, The Power of Negative Energy Balance, and how his unique diet plan takes fasting to the next level. So many people will say, well, Dr. Ian, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this. It's not that people don't often know what to do or how to do it. It's that they don't have structure. You just can't say, I'm going to eat better. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to exercise better. What does that mean? And so I tell people all the time, yeah, well, you know, yeah, what you're doing, what it sounds like, it sounds good, but it's not working. Well, because we need structures in our in our life. And with Fast Burn, the structure is very simple. It's nine weeks. It's based on affordable, regular, accessible food, but it's realistic. If you want to hear Dr. Ian Smith's full interview and more, visit moneymakingconversation.com. Keep winning. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is the Espresso, and I'm Angelique. The Emmy nominations were announced, and the amount of black nominees was pretty impressive. For lead actor in a drama series, four of the six nominees are black. Those six actors are Sterling K. Brown, Jonathan Majors, Josh O'Connor, Reggae Jean Page, Billy Porter, and Matthew Reese. I don't know. Should we watch the Emmys this year? Eighth grader Zaila Avangar just became the first African American to win the script spelling bee, but I'm wondering why we're just hearing about her. Because she holds three Guinness World Book records in basketball, including this one. The main the one I have, which is like the crowning achievement of all basketball Guinness World Records, is the most basketball streak within one minute simultaneously, which is six balls. I love it. And while juggling being one of the baddest rappers out there, Megan the Stallion also just graduated from college. So before I was, you know, popping with my music, I always knew I was going to go to college. I always wanted my degree anyway. I wasn't going to let music affect school or school affect my music. Congrats to Megan for keeping her word to Big Mama and herself. That's the espresso. It's the Mocha Mix with GG Sweet calling all HBCUs. The next Salute Them Awards is a tribute to you and the trailblazers you help cultivate. The Tarajis, the Will Packers, the people we never heard of. Who would you like to see Cafe Mocha on? Post their picture. They don't have to be famous. Just post it. Tell us why. And then tag us at Cafe Mocha Radio. Until next time, you know where to find us. Here it is. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, 
Visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.